0: I wanna, if you're visiting with us this morning, we wanna welcome you and, and glad that you're here to worship with us and, and uh, did I miss the slide? Did the kid? The kids are gone, so they must have. They must have. I must have been closing my eyes and worshiping, and they snuck out quietly today. Amen. So you know, if you're visiting with us and you've got kids, you say, "What happened? They went next door, and they're being ministered to over in the kids' zone and in the nursery. And after service, just please go and make sure you pick them up before you go to the movies, not afterwards. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, but if you are visiting, we have um, some welcome visitor packets in the. In the hallway or in the back, um, as you go out, um, or if you'd like, now you can slip up a hand. This just tells us a little about tells you a little about the church, um, some of the ministries we have, and what we believe, and it's a great great way to get uh, connected, introduced to the church. And there's a little visitor card. We'd love you to fill out and uh, send it. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Joshua chapter three, verse one. Now, now the setup is, you know, we, we've we've been doing this, but if you're visiting, the the children of Israel are posed to go into the promised land Joshua's been encouraged in chapter one by the Lord himself to be strong and courageous in chapter 2 uh, Joshua sends in a couple of the couple spies to spy out the land he meets Rahab the, the prostitute that was that was last week and, and uh, encourage you to go back and listen to the message and um, Because God can use anyone, God can save anyone, He has a plan for our lives. So here we are, the spies have come back apparently, and they've come back at the chapter end of chapter 2, and verse 1 picks up here, now it says in uh, Josh chapter 3 verse 1, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, your, your Bible might say Shittim, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. I'm going to stop there because I, I was kind of wrestling with this. If you remember back in, in, uh, previously in verse, in chapter one, the Joshua commanded the officers and the officers went all the way through the camp of Israel and says, get ready for in three days, we're going to cross the Jordan. we I don't think it's that it could be, but you can try it. We're going to cross the Jordan in three days, uh, And then in chapter 2, Joshua sends in the spies to go into the land, and they end up at the house of Rahab. Rahab hides them, and then she tells them because they're looking for the spies, she says, Go into the mountains for how many days? Three days, right? Three days. And then you can come back and go. And now we've got Joshua, chapter 3. He says, early in the morning, Joshua rose up. And I want to get to that in a second, but I want to talk about this three days there. And it says, and all the children of Israel enlarged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days, the officers went through the camp and they give this command. And I was thinking, well, wait a second. In chapter 1, the command was given that says, in three days, we're going to cross over. And so... said, well, the spies were probably sent out that day, right then, before anything happened. Joshua sends the spies, but Joshua, they don't have cell phones. The spies didn't get in there and say, hey, Joshua, we're stuck. We're not going to be able to get back and get a word to you for three days. They're just gone for three days. So the Lord is moving. The Lord is telling Joshua in three days, we're going to go in. The spies go in. In a sense, they get stuck Stuck for three days, Joshua's waiting for the word. Now Joshua chapter three comes and says that they're camped right on this side of the Jordan, ready to go in for three days. So the question is, is this the exact same three days or is this an additional three days? Well, the Lord said in three days, you're going to go in. So I believe this is the same concurrent three days that we're talking about. And so Joshua sends the spies in and has no idea that it's gonna take three days for them to come back. But he says, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna wait. Now, what's, ha- what's he doing? Jo- and the very first part that I said I wanna get back to was Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Acacia Grove. He rose early for, for a number of reasons. They went to the, um, to the side of the Jordan right before, but Joshua was fulfilling for these three days what God had commanded in Joshua chapter one. Do not let this book of law depart from mouth. Meditate on it day and night. He, like Jesus himself, Jesus is Joshua in the New Testament. Joshua is a type of Christ. And um, he is seeking the face of God for those three days. And just, he's not strategizing. He's just seeking God and they're waiting for three days. He doesn't know how long it's going to take for the spies to return, but he knows that God has got a plan. He says, so they're just waiting and seeking the Lord before they go in and possess their possession. There was something back in chapter uh, chapter 1, I believe, and it was actually, the specific verse, verse was in my notes, so I'm just going to recall it. And it says, the Lord was telling them, he says, you'll go in and every place that your foot will tread, I have given you you know, you following the the tenses here in the in the english every pl- every place that your foot will tread i have already given it to you how is that cuz god's done the work ahead of time. He's saying, what you will do, I've already prepared for. I've given it to you. That's a wonderful message for us today because he's leading us into our lives. He's leading us into our relationships and our family and our work situations and our finances. And as we're trusting him, obeying him, listening to him, the the same message comes out to us today. Everywhere that your foot will tread as you wait on me, as you seek me, I've given it to you. It's already done. But be strong, be courageous, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night, be careful to do everything written in it, that's God's command and we can take surety that He knows what's ahead. Anyone going through anything that's unsure ahead of them? You know, right, you have those times like, what is next? God knows, He's already been there. And if we'll trust in Him, He's already given us the land, even though we're not there yet. We can trust in the Lord because he's good. And so we've got Joshua, we've got all the people, and they're waiting on the side of the Jordan to cross over. And then, and so Joshua, after three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And then verse 4 says, there shall be a space between you. In in this chapter, we see the word ark, I think, 10 different times. It talks about the ark of the covenant. And then remember, the ark is where they kept the tablets. And, and so the ark was going to go first, and they had to stay a ways back. And the ark was going to come up, and it says that they're going to stand right on the edge of the Jordan in just a minute. And when they put their feet into the Jordan, the ark of the covenant is going to go in first. and And we're going to read that. But the ark represents the presence of God. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, that's where the presence of God. As, as we go for the, 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 the future, when David goes into battles, they always bring the Ark. And wherever the Ark was, God was winning battles. Later on in Samuel, we find this, this obscure character named Obed-Edom. When, when the Ark of the Covenant falls off the ox cart and Uzzah dies and they go, we don't know what to do with this. They put it in the house of Obed-Edom. The Ark of the Covenant goes in the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has is blessed. The presence of God is represented in the ark. And so as we're talking about the ark, we're saying this is God's presence. And the God's presence is going to go before the Israelites and going to go into the Jordan. Now, verse 5. Actually, go back to verse 4 says there will be a space between you and about 2000 cubits don't come near it that you may know the way which you must go this is helping us to understand god is going before us we're we're, we're not he he's already in front you have not passed this way before that just stood out to me this week <sighs> i haven't passed this way before it's new and it gets really really scary at times You know, we we like, a lot of us, not everyone, some of you are pioneers, some of you are the people who just love something new. But there's a lot of people who just, nothing new, let's just kind of keep the same thing, same job, same friends, because it's comfortable. And for 40 years, the Israelites, they knew their area. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot lot of exploring to do, they knew it. And now they're going into somewhere new. And the Lord says, you haven't passed this way before. Churches, the Lord is leading us as a congregation. And you and me individually in our personal lives with him. He's going to lead us into things that he's going first. But we haven't been there yet. And it's going to be new. And we have to keep our eyes on the presence of God. We need to know which way God is moving. See, we, 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 have, to, we have to keep enough. We have to, we have to be following, not leading. Not even always walking side by side. Of course, His presence is with us side by side. But we need God in front of us so that we're following Him. Anyone ever get ahead of God? Don't answer that. You know, we get, we get ahead of God sometimes and, and we're in trouble. Or, or, have, or have you ever been where you're riding a bike or skating or doing something right next to somebody and all of a sudden they turn? And you're like, wait. That's happened on, on, on motorcycles a few times. You know, you can't you know, start riding right next to somebody and then they, they want to turn left and they're going down a trail and you're. We keep our eyes on the Lord and let the Lord lead us wherever we go. So, what does verse 5 say? This is so important. It says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Some of your Bibles say consecrate, sanctify, consecrate. The word is is really simple, It, it means to make holy. I've heard it translated to set apart. When something is, is holy, it's untouched, it's clean, it's been made pure by God. He says, sanctify yourselves, make yourselves holy, set yourselves apart. You know, I, I remember Pastor Jeff would always, you know, he would always preach about being sanctified for the Lord. And he says, you know, it's really setting apart. That means that it's, it's for God's use only. And I remember, I remember at the time as I was playing bass on, on the worship team and I took the bass And I says, God, I'm going to sanctify this bass to you. And I says, and I I thought about it. And and, and in fact, I'm going to tell you, I had a guitar later, and I didn't sanctify it. And I'll explain the difference. On this bass, I says, I am only going to play music for your glory. That means I'm not going to play Hotel California. (laughs) I'm not going to play anything else on this bass. It's set apart for you only. So kind of, a, kind of a big step. I took my guitar and I thought, you know, I might play a song. Take me home, country roads. I don't know. And maybe it's not to worship God with. So there's a little difference. And in my heart, I knew. It's says, sanctify yourself. Be holy. Be used by God. And, and Josh says, listen, we're going in. Make yourselves holy. Set yourselves apart. Don't look like the world. You know, something that we, I, I've been hearing and, and, and honestly was even in my vocabulary in the past is this idea that we need to become like the world so that we can win the world. And I think that we got skewed there a little bit. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be like Jesus. And Jesus in us will win the lost. The Jesus in us, because the world already has the world. They don't need more of the world to give it hope. Those who don't have Christ need Jesus to bring hope. And so I'm not saying that we're supposed to, you know, dress some weird way or wear robes or, or you know, that, that we can't have a normal job. But we're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to live as Christians like Christ. And then the Christ in us will win our neighbors and our friends because Jesus Christ is where hope is not in me being cool and I can do this in the world and I'm just like all the other people but I also have Jesus. Wow, what a great thing. No, I I should be different. My my life should say I've got a hope and a joy in my life. It's because of Jesus. And and when, when people say, "Well, well, you know, why don't you do those the, some of those other things?" So, you know, I just I just don't think that's what God would have me do. And and be okay with that. Sanctify ourselves for tomorrow. Boy, don't we? Do you want to hear this this morning? Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Could we believe God to do wonders among us in the midst of our daily grind and all the stuff going on? Well, let's begin to watch the presence of the Lord. Let's follow the presence of the Lord. Let's sanctify ourselves and, and, and let his, it's His holiness, but set ourselves apart and say, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to worship God, and see the wonders of God begin to happen in our lives. That's what I want to see. Amen? Amen. And so Joshua spoke, speaks to the priest and says, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And, and, and then the next little passage here, for a couple of verses, I'm not going to read it, is God saying to Joshua, and I'm going to exalt you in front of the people. And and I go well. That sounds weird. And that almost seems kind of prideful. That's you know why would I be you know we as Christians we're we're humble. In fact, I'm more humble than most of you. <laughs> you know we're, we 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 know that we we're, we're called to be humble. Make sure in the recording it says laughter after that so they know I'm not being serious. You know. Yeah, but, but sometimes we have this, this humility thing, and we, we should have humility, but maybe sometimes it goes overboard because sometimes God wants to exalt somebody so that people say, Wow, look at the man of God. We should never exalt ourselves and say, Look at me, the man of God. But sometimes God will place somebody in a position that's exalted to bring glory, not to the man, to pr- bring glory to himself. I don't want that position. I mean, I'm—I I don't. I'm thinking of again, as we mentioned this briefly last week. I'm thinking of the Duggars, and I don't know all the details with that, but this family who took a prominent role in Christianity, and 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 of course, you know, they're, they they believe in having lots and lots of kids. Or you take the uh, the Duck Dynasty guys, and and they begin to get lifted up, and man, everyone wants to shoot them. They just want to shoot them. But God can, and why? Because they're making an impact in the world. So sometimes, this is what God did with Joshua. He wanted to exalt him so that he could be a leader, a godly leader. And, and you could, are in a place that God might want to exalt you in your workplace, in your family, with the, among your friends. And he might want to exalt you to a place so that you can be an example and a leader. And you just have to really, at that point, trust God in God. Don't let it go to your head. And, and just say, okay, God, if that's what you want to do, then really keep me close to you. Keep me close to you. So, so God desires to exalt us sometimes for His glory. And it goes on after that little section. Um, it says, uh, verse 9 it says, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is um, past sticky pages. Sticky pages. I'm going, that is not right. Um, verse 11. It says, um, So, behold, the ark of the covenant Lord of the, all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now take for yourselves one man from every tribe of Israel. One man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests are. Who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. This miracle of God is my favorite miracle, other than of course raising Jesus from the dead. Of all the miracles in the Old Testament, I this there's something, you know, amazing. Well, the sun, the earth standing still is also pretty cool. You know. I, I I gotta but the reason I like this is because because I've tried to shovel snow in a snowstorm. It's really hard. i had We had um a a leak in our garage uh, a number of years ago, and we were living up on Lofty View. And we were having torrential rains that year. We had a lot of rains right around Christmas time. And, uh, it was about four years ago. You guys would remember. I mean, the Victorville was flooded, the streets, it was really bad. Well, apparently the water was flooding in underneath our house under the build-up, under the stem wall, and, and when they built the stem wall, they dug it out and so basically made a moat under our house. And so all the water was pooling up about three feet deep on the stem wall, and it was and the garage was below the level of the stem wall. And so the water was just just coming in through the walls, through the concrete wall even, just seeping into our garage. And it was raining day after day after day. And then in addition, there was water waiting to come in. So I would get the big squeegee, and I'd push all the water out and trying to get everything off the floor. And every time I started getting that water out, it would just flood back in. You know, you've, if you've ever had a busted pipe, you don't start cleaning up the water until you turn off the water, <laughs> right? It's just like kind of futile. And this is what was happening, but I couldn't turn off the water. It just kept coming in. And so, all you know, for hours, and I, and I, I had to keep it, keep it going, otherwise it would get too high, so sometimes I was down there for hours just trying to keep the flood, you know, at nighttime it would get a little colder so it wouldn't move as fast. And for days until we got, we got pumps and stuff actually in the little stem, stem wall in the moat, <laughs> And pump the water out, I was battling this. Joshua and the people of Israel are about to cross a river and God didn't make a bridge. If, I, if it was me, I'd say, you're going to cross the Jordan and I'm going to make a magical bridge appear and you will walk over the Jordan into the land, which also would have been a pretty cool miracle, like walking above the water. But God stopped the waters and it says they piled up in a heap. You would try to stop a river? And it says at this time of year that the water overruns the bank. So this isn't a trickle. This wasn't a trickle. God didn't just cause a little landslide, landslide up and to block the water for a little while. It says this, the, it was raging waters and he stops the waters and then they walk. That's an awesome miracle. Are things coming into your life really fast? Are the bills piling up? Something coming? God can stop the river. He can stop the torrent. But look when he does it. It shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord... Rest in the waters. Sometimes we have to get our feet wet in faith. God didn't do it before they got there. He waited until they got there and they put their toes in. They were marching forward. God, you've called me to this place. I don't see it. I don't understand it. If you don't do a miracle, I'm not going to survive. But here I am. I'm going to get my feet wet. I'm going to come to the place that you're calling and I'm going to be faithful to you and I'm going to watch the miracle. But I know that I've got to come all the way up. And i got to put my feet in the water. God is calling us to live a life of faith, to trust in Him even when we can't see it, just as He's calling the people of Israel to say, Trust in me. Watch the presence of the Lord. And we, as, as Christians, as priests in the kingdom of God, also carry the presence of God with us. And sometimes He gets us right up and He says, Step into the river and I will be with you. Oh God, but I can't do that. I need a sign from you. I need a sign for I need this. I need that. Trust in me with all your heart. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go is what he commanded Joshua. And throughout the book of Joshua, he's saying the same thing over and over. And he says the same thing to us today. Trust in me. Sanctify yourself. Stop being like the world. Stop being like them. Put your eyes on me. Look to my presence and take a step of faith. That gets me excited. So in verse 14, So it was when the people set out from the camp to cross the Jordan with the priests bearing the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. And this is where it says, For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. He didn't even say he just stopped the river. You know, it's like, well, what did he do? Did he freeze it? Make a little hole and freeze the river? Just stop the river from flowing? He says, the rivers rose in a heap. All the way at far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan, so the waters that went down into the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea failed and were cut off. I can see these couple guys out in a boat on the river fishing or something, and i of a because <laughs> the river got cut off all the way down. You know, you're out fishing. <laughs> Next thing you know, your hook's just sitting at the bottom of the river. You know, this was a big miracle. Everybody on the other underside of the Jordan were like going, who turned off the water? I think God just likes to show off sometimes. He showed off in my life. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over on the Jordan. This is the second water crossing for the children of Israel. And you know, we have to understand that all of the men of fighting age died in the wilderness. Not everybody died in the wilderness. So there was those who were under the fighting age that came out across the Red Sea who were still alive. These now, with they were men, they would be the warriors. They would be the moms now. Forty years later, they'd be the grandmothers. But they remembered when the Red Sea opened up and they walked across dry land. And now God is doing it again. God's faithfulness comes in different seasons of our life. And we have to Remember and remember those things. And they had to remember for 40 years the miracles of God from before. And now he's doing something afresh. But let me tell you about these two different types of baptism, if you will. These two different sides of, of the water crossing. The first one was when they came out of Egypt. And Egypt is a, it represents the world. So when the 40 years before, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they went through baptism, they came through the waters. God saved them. He was saving them out of the world. When we come to Christ, He saves us from our sin. He saves us out of the world, and we become like new creations, and it's really good. But that was just the first time of of leading through the the waters. Then they wandered around in the desert. They were free from Egypt, but they hadn't gone into the promises of God in their life. There is a lot of Christians today that are wandering around in a spiritual wilderness. They're saved. They trust God. They love God, but they've never gone into the promises of God. Maybe they're a little afraid. Maybe things are happening in their life and they're holding them back and going, I'm just going to kind of run around here in the wilderness. I don't know about this sanctifying myself, setting myself I don't know about testing God for this next step and becoming different because when Israel came into the next land, they were different. And people, a lot of Christians today are wandering around in this wilderness, but God is talking to all of us today to say, it's time for you to come into the next thing I have to you. I didn't just want to save you from the world. I didn't want to just save you from your sin. I've got a plan. I want to prosper you. I want to give you abundance. And I have a plan for you to be my agents in this world. And I'm going to lead you across the Jordan River. But you have to trust me. And you have to sanctify yourself, consecrate yourself, trust in me, look to my presence fully and I'll lead you in. And his presence goes before us. Now listen, as the the presence of God went in, it stopped right in the middle of the circumstances and the children of Israel passed by. God goes before us, he goes with us, he becomes our rear guard, he makes sure that even the thing that saves us at the beginning won't attack us from behind. We can trust Him. And we go and, and this next chapter four is going to be wonderful because it talks about, Joshua said that they're all going to pick up stones out of the middle of the Jordan River and they're going to build a memorial. Why? Because we have to recognize God's salvation in our lives and remember it and talk it with our kids. But God is calling us as individuals, not just out of the world. See, there's a lot of people still in the world. They don't know Jesus yet. They're lost. And they think about the the Israelites. They were they were making their bricks and life was, well, I guess it's okay. They had some food. And in fact, it must have been okay enough that that when things got bad with Moses in the wilderness, they said, man, we want to go back to if we want to go back to Egypt. And so so they were stuck in their slavery to the world in their life, but it was normal. Do you know anyone? And You don't have to raise your hand. Think about it. It could be yourself. could be someone else. You go, they just seem like they're in this trap and they're doing the same thing over and over again. But they're okay with it. Well, you can live in in slavery. You can live in Egypt for a long time. And if that's normal to you, then you just might just keep living there. God says, I've got something better for you. There's a saying that says, you know, "The, the devil that I know is better than the devil I don't. That's why a lot of people stay in abusive relationships. At least they know what they can expect. And this is what people can do today and do. And God is calling them out of, out of the world. And they said, yeah, but I don't know what that looks like. Well, I can call to you and tell you. And you can call to your friends and tell them, listen, I know you don't know what it looks like, but it's good. God has something good for you. Come out of Slavery. And then we, we, we come across and he saves us with a mighty hand and our enemies go, we come into the wilderness and we're, we, we think we've arrived, but that's only the, the next step. And we stay there and he teaches us to trust in him. But then he calls and says, I've got something else for you. You've gotten too comfortable in this land now. I'm feeding you with manna and things are okay, but I've got something even better. And everywhere that you will put your foot, I have already given to you. But you've got to trust me. You've got to let go of what you know. Look to the presence of God and follow it. See, I don't have to look like them anymore. I'm not going to look like the world. and I'm going to put my trust fully in God, in the presence of God, and I'm going to walk through the middle of the Jordan. And you know, when you got to the other side, it's real hard to get back. It's a real battle to get back. Don't go back. Go forward into what God has for you. Embrace the newness. He says, you have not passed this way before. And that's scary. But God says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. I've already done it. He's done it in Jesus Christ. He's made all the sacrifices that we need. We just have to possess that which he's given us. Church, he's got such good things for us. We don't want to wander, though, just in the wilderness. Go, well, it's been pretty good here. You know, 40 years. We're about to celebrate our jubilee. We're not going to have the same 50. These are great 50 years. But let's... Walk into the next thing that God has for us as a church. Let's walk into it. Let's embrace it. We haven't gone this way. It's going to be different. Yeah, it's going to be different. I don't even know what to think. What about in your life? I don't know. God's going to provide. He's, He's calling all of us today. Listen, seek my presence. Let the word dwell in us. Meditate in the word. Be close to his presence. Keep our eyes on him. And then put our toes in and say, okay, God, I'm coming. I'm coming. I've got a friend. I'm not recommending this, but I loved his faith. When he was a young youth, when he was a youth himself, just late teens, he and his Bible college buddies would go out to a pool and they were just, they were like, they were just wanted to have faith. And they would just stand at the edge of the pool. And they'd just step in. They thought, God, I, you know, Pete, you called Peter to walk on the water. I can too. Now you go, that's silly. But there was something about it. He was going, but you know, he was, he was willing to say, I want to follow you. Even if I get wet, I want to follow you. Willing to get a little wet, put your faith in him. God, bring us into what you have, into the promised land. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, you're taking us through the journey in the book of Joshua. God, and you're already teaching us of your love and your mercy on each and every one of us, even as you had on Rahab. And not just your, oh, I guess I'll accept you, but not only will I accept you, I'll love you, I'll save you, and I will give you a life that you could have never dreamed of. And so today, Lord, we're poised. We're poised on this side of the Jordan River. God, there's a lot of us in here, I think, that are tired of walking, In the wilderness, we're saved. They know you. They've watched your miracles. But it's time to cross over into the the next part of their life in you. It's time for us to sanctify and consecrate ourselves and say, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to look like the world. I'm not going to be like the world. I'm going to be your son and you are my righteousness and you are my holiness. And so here we are, God. We're poised and ready to go in. God, give us the confidence. Help us to next, take this next step and cross into the promised land. God, as a congregation, as individually in this room, Lord, you're already stirring and moving upon different hearts, tell, telling different people in this room what it is that you're telling them to consecrate themselves from and set themselves apart from and to you. Father, today as we're standing before you, we'd say, here we are. We're ready. We're ready to give you everything to consecrate ourselves and to follow you. But God, we're not going without your presence. And and we're not going if you don't come with us after we cross into this river. God, give us the courage, the children of Israel, to walk across into the things that you have. and Strengthen us, God. And you've given us your Holy Spirit, to live inside of us, to strengthen us, to do miracles. You've given us the word of God. And so we commit ourselves afresh to you, and following you into the promised land of our lives. And Father, for this congregation, take us into the next place that you have that we might make a difference in this valley. We thank you. Only you can do this. Lead us, guide us. Be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Encourage one another. Meet up in your life groups this week and talk about what God is calling you individuals as.